0: 21. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give water. In the wilderness and rivers in the desert, to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning that you're a God that gives a fresh start to all of us. And Father God, we want to thank you, Father, first of all. and Although sometimes everything didn't go the way we want them to go. um, Lord God, we want to thank you, Lord God, for the blessings. And we thank you for your faithfulness uh, toward us in 2010. Uh, God, you've been faithful to us. You have provided for us. Father, you have done so many wonderful things for us. And Lord God, and we believe that every year is an opportunity for us to step it up. And an opportunity, Lord God, for you to reveal yourself in a more deeper way. Father, help us to be more conformed to your image. I pray that as I preach this morning, that, Lord God, that it will be none of me and all of you. And, Father, I pray that you will be magnified and you will be glorified and all of us will be greatly encouraged this morning because you are on the throne doing great and mighty things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I had, uh, a couple years ago, we have a computer that we had purchased for the church. It's a laptop. And uh, ever since we bought that laptop, we had a number of problems. I always say that technology is one of those things that you can't live with it, and you can't live without it. And, uh, And I kept, the computer somehow developed some kind of a virus or something. Something was happening with the computer. And so it seemed like, the more I tried to do Word documents and do different things, it seemed like the worse it got. So no matter how I tried to fix this computer, uh, you know, or tried to work with it, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so I became more frustrated because after a while, you don't realize how much you depend on the computer until you need it. And uh, and so finally, I, I took it into this one time. And I had taken it to this guy. This was when Circuit City was still in Maybe that's why Circuit City no longer exists. I don't know. But um, uh, take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, but um, so I ended up taking it in Circuit City and finally, and I'd taken it in like three or four times and finally said to me, you know what, um, we've done everything we can do with this computer. Let's just wipe it clean. You need a whole new hard drive. You just need to start this thing all over. So we went ahead and, we, and he took off everything off the computer, the operating system, everything, and gave it a fresh start how many know that computer for about a good two months boy it hummed it worked marvelously well and uh and now it's somehow something else has happened to it now i can't get internet on it so it's been parked for a while but i remember though uh, i said that to say that sometimes as, as, as believers that uh you know we we've made mistakes in our life right we've made some bad choices and uh One of the things I love about God is that God always gives us a fresh start. Sometimes we just need to wipe the whole, you know, sometimes God had to come in. He had to just wipe the whole hard drive. You just had to delete everything you did because how many of you have ever done something or you said something or you did something? You said to yourself, "Ah, why did I do that? Or, or or you said, you know, or you or you just keep playing that same game shoulda, woulda, coulda. If I could have done this all over again, this is how I do it. How I many of you have experienced that in life? I mean you I mean you, you meant well and, and some of the mistakes weren't some of the mistakes weren't necessarily sin that you committed. It was just decisions that you made. And you made a decision and perhaps you're sitting back, you're thinking, man, I don't know why I did that. And for some of us, if we're not careful, we want to camp there. We want to camp there. We want to stay stuck in that place where we're saying, oh, gosh, I, I, if, I, if I wouldn't have did that. And God cannot do what he want to do in our life because we're stuck on, gosh, why did I do that, or how did I make that kind of mistake? And I know some people, they, they throw in a towel, not, not even that, but you know there are a lot of folks that commit suicide because of the fact some decision, something happened in their life, and they can't get over it. Well, God sent me here to tell you this morning, very simply put, to get over it. Hallelujah. So life is full of choices. I was doing a study yesterday, And uh, they said that, and and the estimates varied, but they actually said that for the most part that we make anywhere between 20,000, and 30,000 choices a day. Think about that. Every single, I mean, when you pick up the fork, you know it's a choice. What kind of fork I'm going to use, a spoon, and how I'm going to eat. And we're making choices, and you don't even know when you're making choices. And they just happen. You're making choices all the time. And inevitably, you're going to make a choice sometime that's not going to pan out the right way. You're going to make a choice and you're going to do something that you're going to regret. And the question is, when that happens, how do you respond? Do you quit? Do you give up or do you keep on saying, I should have, I could have? I mean, some of us, I mean, I have even heard people say, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have married this person. Now, nobody here ever did that, you know, because you all, you love your spouse, right? You know, and but, you know, some people are stuck there and they can't enjoy their marriage. Or they can't embrace what God has in front of them because they still think about why. Why did I? Why did I? I made some choices myself in my life, and, I'm, and I sit back every now and I say, Lord, 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 why? And, and one of the things I learned about God is God just don't camp out at your wives. He just, he just don't hang out there. God is always saying, pick up your bed. I want you to move forward. You remember Elijah. Elijah got depressed because Jezebel was after him. She was coming at him, and, 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 and he got depressed and said, Lord, I'm ready to die. And, you know, if you look at the account of the scripture, God did not spend a whole lot of time talking to him about, you know, why is it this way? God said, "Okay, Elijah, I need you to get up because I got somebody else that I want you to anoint. I got some work that I want you to do. And so we all got to come to this place that that we got to be able to put behind some of the decisions of some of the things that has happened in our past, because some folks are handicapped. Because of decisions made in the past. And here's one of the things I learned in life. You can't change the decision you've already made. I want you to think about it for a moment. Whatever, think about it. Think about 2010 because now we're in a new place. We're a new year. But think about it. The decisions that you already made you, and the things that you've already done, some of the things that we've done, we're not too proud about. But here's the thing, you can't go back and change it. I don't care what the cartoons say, I don't care what the movies say. You know, sometimes you watch certain movies, you can go back in time and, and you can change things. No, 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 you cannot go back and change what already happened. What happened has already happened. So then it begs the question, okay, what do I do now? Do I sit back and I just mourn over and I just keep, keep being overly concerned about the decision that I made? Or do I say, okay, God, the decision has been made. I made this choice. I messed up. I, I, I perhaps I've blown it. But, Lord, here's, Lord, here's what I going to do. I'm going to move forward. And, God, I'm looking forward to you bringing me out of this situation that I find myself. Because here's what we're saying. God... I need for you to deal with my now, and and, and why? You know, I, you know, women got impeccable memories. I got to pick on y'all for a little bit. Most of y'all are women here, you know, and you know, you know, y'all are real good at bringing up stuff. You know, y'all can remember stuff. And my goodness, you, you remember when? It's like it ain't got nothing to do with what's happening now. But y'all just bring up stuff. You know, husband, you need to just tell him, say, let it go, brother. Let it tell her. Let it go. We got to come to that place where we just say. We say, let it go, because we can't change it. The question is, what are we going to do right now? Because God is interested in your now. God is not concerned. And God, never, God is not the kind of God that drags up stuff. And, and now watch this. I want you to hear, hear me well. God is not the kind of God that drags up stuff and try to just parade all your stuff in front of you to make you feel bad. Now, you know, people are good at doing that, aren't we? Boy, we, we tell a we tell brother and sister all the time, we, we say, "Yo, we'll support you. We're going to pray for you. But as soon as we tell them, as soon as they tell us what sin they committed, whoa, 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 Alert, alert, alert. <laughs> Watch them. Stay away from them. Stay away from her. I mean, you don't, I can't believe that you did that. And so we don't help. We don't commit. Listen, we don't create an atmosphere whereby people can learn to forget the decisions that they made. But one of the beauties about God is that God gives us a fresh start. God can says, no matter what you did, no matter what happened, that I can come up on the scene and I can take all that stuff you did, all the decisions you made, the ones you made that are good, the ones you made that are bad, and I can give you a fresh start. You can start all over again and you don't even have to worry about it. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so in this particular passage in Isaiah chapter number 43, I want you to understand something for a moment here. Israel um, was God had always promised Israel that if they were unfaithful, that he would spit them out of the land that he had given them. He made them a promise. And Israel find themselves in this situation. The prophet Isaiah, who's what we call a major prophet, uh, Isaiah would come along. and He would prophesy about what was happening. And so here the children of Israel was finding themselves in a situation where they had disobeyed God. And Isaiah was telling them about the judgment. That was going to come because of their disobedience to God. One of the things that I I, I know we don't like to hear about it, but one of the things that we got to understand and realize that the Bible says that whatever a man sows, that he reaps. Right. Whatever you sow that you're going to reap. The good thing about that is that even though we're going to reap what we sow, God still gives us grace in the matter. And so the children of Israel found themselves disobeying God. They found themselves uh, in rebellion against God. And God was saying, look, okay, I'm going to judge you. If you read if you read Isaiah and all those chapters, it talks about how God is going to bring Babylon, how they're going to be punished for all their sin. But in the midst of all of that, the same God who was pronouncing how that he was going to discipline them for their sins. I mean, no, God chasing those that he loved. God does give his kids spanking. God does chasing us. But 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 God chasing us to do us good in the latter end. And so even though the children of Israel find themselves in a place where God is speaking, and he's been talking about how he's going to deal with them in the midst of all that. God says to them, watch this. I don't want you to remember all the stuff that you've done. Now, it seems like a contradiction. Well, well, God, God, God is saying, no, 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 no. You're going to you, you're going to have to deal with some consequences because, you know, you made some choices. But but I want you to understand, I don't want you to dwell on the mistakes in the past, your past mistakes, your past problems. We I know all about that because how many know that there's always a redemptive quality? Even when God judges, us, God is all, he's redemptive in his nature. God also, when when God disciplines his children, God does it in a way to redeem us. God does it in a way to help us. God is not out there, you know, like, like, you know, like when you mess up, he just want to just make you miserable. How do we know that's not the spirit of God? God make us sorrowful unto repentance so that we can do better. How do we know God is on your side? You got to remember that when things are really, really bad, when 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 you feel like sometimes that that that, that, that God is distant. How many of you ever felt distance between you and God? You got to know in those moments that if God be for you, who can be against you? You got to know, as he said in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And what he was saying to the people of God is, listen, you're going to have to deal with some things, but, but I don't want you to dwell on what you did. Because, yes, you were unfaithful to me. Yes, you made some bad choices. Yes, you screwed up royally. But I don't want you to dwell on that anymore because I got a plan for your life. I, I'm going to fix the wrong that you have done. And, and the thing about this is God gives us an insight into his nature. Because one of the things that I, I think that is so important that when we read the word of God, that we read the word of God and we try to figure out how does God think? You know, what what motivates God? You know, uh, what makes a good marriage is when, when people understand how the, the spouse the other thinks. You know, I, I, I understand things about my wife. She don't even have to ask me because I'm in relationship with her. I know her. I know how she like our coffee. I know what time she wants her coffee. I know exactly how much sugar to put in our coffee. I know what type she like. I know she likes cinnamon coffee that comes from Dunkin Donuts. She asked me this morning. She had to ask me that because that's new. But generally speaking, I, I, I understand I'm in relationship with her. And, and so I, I understand some things about her. And I think it's important that that when you read the word of God, that, that you read the word of God in such a way, you say, OK, how does God think about this problem? How does God you know, what what, what makes God do what he does? What What understanding God's ways is so important because. If you don't understand God's ways or if you have a misunderstanding about God's way, it's going to shape how you're going to relate to him. And if you think your God is a cosmic bully, if you think God hates you when you blow it, then that's the way you're going to live your life. You're going to be scared of him. You're not going to have the kind of fluid relationship that God wants you to have with him because your understanding of his nature and how he operates is faulty. And so one will look at this passage and I heard people say, well, there's a big difference between the Old and the New Testament. But the, New Te- the Old Testament seems really, really harsh and, and it just seems like it's a total different spirit. But then when I read the, the New Testament, there seems to be more grace. Well, can I say to you that the same God that wrote the Old Testament is the same one that wrote the New? God is graceful. He's merciful. And yes, he is a God that punishes sin. He has to do that. Why does he do that? For our benefit. Not because God wants to make our lives miserable, but God hates what sin does in our lives. And so he says to he says to them, he says in verse 18, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. He said, don't remember it. In other words, He's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put aside all the decisions that you made. I don't want you to, I don't want you to remember it. I don't want you to dwell on it. And when he says, I don't want you to remember it, he's not saying like, you know, we all remember things that we've done. But what he's saying is, I don't want you to allow this to handicap you. I want you to look at this for what it is. You've blown it, you've made a mistake, but I don't want you to dwell there. I don't want you to camp and become depressed. You know that are sometimes believers that get depressed. How many know that's not the spirit of God? He said, you know, God never, ever wants to lead you into depression. How many know he don't lead you into depression? He's saying, I don't want you to hold on to that because, see, what happened is if you keep holding on to that, then you can embrace the life I have for you here. Because what happened is even Paul talked to the Corinthian church. He said, yes, I had to come. I had to deal with you because he wrote Paul had to write the Corinthian church because they were blowing it up. They were messing it up some kind of bad. And Paul said, Paul said, look, I wrote you a harsh letter, but but, but but my heart was I really care for you. I love you. And, and I don't want you to sorrow and, and, and be overwhelmed with sorrow. But I want you to come to a place where you repent. I want you to experience the real life that God has for you. I want you to experience the true joy that God has. For for you I don't want you to stay there so don't remember don't dwell in don't be worried about what happened in 2010 for example don't listen if you made a bad mistake you made a bad mistake God is saying listen I understand all that but here's what I need to do I need you don't even remember just, just put it out of your mind just forget about it watch this he says behold I'm going to do a new thing God's going to do a new thing in our lives and I believe that what God wrote to them is applicable to us because it's the same spirit he says I will do a new thing in other words God was saying that it's not going to be some refurbished blessing a new thing means that it's something that is outside of the box something that you didn't even you couldn't even imagine I mean you know every I mean you know that the best blessings oftentimes are the blessings that God brings and they catch you by surprise you know, you, you watch during Christmas season, you know, and I'm one of those ones that I always kind of like, I get a heads up on what's going to come down the pipe for me. So, I, you know, surprise, they can't surprise me for the most part. But, you know, when you really get somebody surprised and, and they, get a, they get a blessing, they get really, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know. And they get really, really, I mean, you know, like if I would have got an iPad or something, I would have been like, woo, it would have knocked me out if if I would have got an iPad. I'm just saying, if I would have gotten out, it would have been like, that would have been a total big surprise to me. But the point I'm making is that that when you get us, when when, when God blesses us, oftentimes he blesses us in a way that, that is not like what we thought he was going to do. He says, I'm going to do a new thing. And what that means is that God is always operating in a fresh way. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That means everything about God. God is not into the old, the stale, the mundane. God is always it's always about a new thing. He says, listen, I'm going to do a new thing. And then here's what's going to happen. And you're going to know about it. He says, shall you not know it? He said it will spring forth. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to make it happen. And I think it's important to understand that in our lives that we spend a lot of time trying to figure out all the solutions to problems. But understand that when you came, when you became a child of God, there are some things that you ain't gonna ever figure out, and, and we need to come to a place where we say, "Lord, I'm gonna trust you. I'm out, I'm out on the deep." And I'm walking on this water. I don't really see how. But, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust you in the midst of all of that. I'm going to believe that you're going to bring me through. And, and God is saying to them, and I believe he's saying to us that I will do this new thing. I'm the one that's going to make it happen. How I many know you can't manufacture a blessing. You can't try to act holy. It, it's either there. Or I, I, my old my old um, who was it? my old my my, my uncle. One time he said to me, uh, and he was actually he was preaching at a funeral, uh, ironically enough, and, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, and, and, you know, he's one of those old fashioned preachers. And he said, you know, I hear people all the time say, you know, they got books down to say how to get the Holy Spirit. They got 10 ways of how to get the Holy Spirit, you know, and five ways. He said, listen, he said, I'm from the old school. He said, either you got the Spirit or you don't. <laughs> so you can't manufacture the spirit Either it's there or If the spirit is there the, the manifestation of the spirit Is going to come out How many of you know what I'm talking about If the spirit is there we can't, we, we can't manufacture anything When God says that he's going to do something We got to understand That God and he alone is going to do it He is going to pull it off And here's what he's saying uh, To the people of Israel Even though they were expecting judgment he says, I will do a new thing, but he goes on to say that I'm going to make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How many of you have ever been in the wilderness before? I mean, truly been in the wilderness before. I mean, were you like in the wilderness? You have no idea where you are. You're just completely like lost and you have no sense of direction. I studied the word wilderness and it means a confusing multitude or mass. An empty or pathless area or region, a bewildering and confusing situation. You know, sometimes in life we find ourselves in confusing situations. We find ourselves in situations that we don't know how we're gonna get out. How many got situations right now you're thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna get out? I don't know. I I I I I knew, I I hear I, I know what the word of God says, and I know God is with me. But uh, if you were to ask me how it's going to pan out, I don't have any answers for it. I find that the folks of faith, the people of faith are people that live on the edge like that, whereby if God don't show up and do it, it won't happen. And for many of us, none of us, who, who likes being in that place? Who likes being in a place where you just don't have the answers and you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to work this thing out? I have no idea. God says, I'm going to make a pathway in the wilderness. In other words, God says to you, it looks confusing to you. You don't see how you're going to get out, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to craft the pathway and I'm going to bring you out of this situation. That's what God was saying to them. And I believe that's what God is saying to us as a people and to us as a church. He talks there about rivers in a desert. A desert is a arid land, which usually, which is usually sparse it uh, has sparse vegetation, apparently devoid of life, a desert place. The desert place is like a summertime. You know, when you get no water and your grass is all brown and your grass is all dry and your flowers are suffering, you know, it, it doesn't look good. But it's amazing how that when you get a nice, fresh rain, how life comes. And God says that what he wants to do in our lives is he wants to bring life in those places that are dry. He want to bring rivers or water. He want to bring life. We talked last week about the God of the, the resurrection, how that even in a, when a situation seems impossible or unbearable, that, that, that God can come along and he can bring life in any situation that we're confronted with. God can come and, 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 and he can pour life. He can, he can bring it. He can resurrect it. And not only just resurrect it, but he can make it much better. And you can think about your life. Maybe perhaps you have something going on in your life where you think, oh, it's dead. It's not working. It's, you know, you just got to believe that God can bring life in that situation and you got to hold on to it. And this is really what I believe that God would have us to be thinking, how would to be thinking moving forward? That no matter how dry that situation is, no matter how lifeless it appears to be, that we can know that God can bring fresh rain, fresh wind. That God can pour out his Holy Spirit and he can bring life. And I don't know about you, but I'm believing God for the light of rain in my life. I'm believing God for, I want my, I want every area of my life to be green. Every area of my life is not green right now. And every area in your life is not green. And so what we need to declare is over those dry areas of our life, we need to say, God, can you please bring life? God, in my relationship that appears to be dead, where we're just kind of going through the mundane. God, can you bring life? Can you make me fall in love again with her or him? Can you make this thing, you know, just glorious, just like it was when we first met? When we used to talk on the phone for ten hours and we just listened to each other breathe and we didn't say a word because we loved each other so much. I mean, no, that's life. That's love. Some of you looking at it like I don't know about that because. But but God can bring life in situations. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with, what you're confronted with. God can come and God can just breathe on that thing. I'm going to I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to bring life. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to make this. This is what I believe that God is saying to us. Turn with me over to Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three. Apostle Paul. Who was a great man of God, a great man of faith, and Paul had to how I mean know Paul was not a perfect man, Paul would tell you he wasn't a perfect man, and for many of us, that should give us hope because <laughs> the people of God were not perfect. I mean, we read stories, and the Bible don't always include every single thing folks did. you know that right? Uh, the Bible gives us snippets of things and uh And so we never get the full story, but we get just enough so we can get a glimpse of what things are really like. But listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter number three, verses 12 through 14. He said, not that I have already attained or am already perfect or perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul says he starts this verse off by saying, not that I already have attained or I am already perfect. Paul has spoken about himself. He said that he was a blasphemer and he was violent. He imagine that the apostle Paul was a violent man. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 13. You can jot it down if you like. Paul also referred to himself as a chief of sinners. So Paul wasn't under any illusions about who he was and his shortcomings. He understood that that he talks about, I believe, in Romans chapter number 7. He says, the thing that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And I end up doing the very thing I hate. Paul talks about how he has this battle even raging inside of him. All of us go through it. We, we make decisions. We do things. We think, that, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't even want to feel this way, God. But yet I find myself struggling with this. Paul is. Paul said, look, I'm not a perfect man. I understand that, that I'm not perfect. And if you want to, and Paul even came to a place where he says that by the grace of God, I am what I am. He had to realize that, you know what, I know a lot of folks are probably wondering because there were some people that were skeptical of the Apostle Paul when he first got saved. There were some folks when he came among the regular apostles, you know, they were like, OK, we, we can't. This guy can't hang around us. We, I mean, Paul was rejected. They were like, no, no, you can't hang around us because we know what you did. And then somebody had to come up and tell them, look, wait a minute. The Apostle Paul gave his life to Jesus. You see, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. It's all under the blood. But, and so the Apostle Paul will tell you if he was here today, I'm not a perfect man. But what was the secret to Paul's success? How did Paul deal with his imperfections and the mistakes and the bad choices that he made? Watch what he says. He says, Not that I already attained or am already perfected, verse 12, but I press on that I may lay hold. Of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. He's a brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended about this one thing I do. One thing I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Paul was saying he's given us a message. How many know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God? All of the word of God is for our instruction so that we can learn how to live our life on this planet. Paul says, listen, I'm not a perfect man. And you can say, Lord, I'm not perfect. But here's one thing you got to do. You got to be willing to put behind the stuff that happened in the past. Because if you can't put that behind you, Paul knew if he would have stayed, if he would have kept walking around saying, how could I kill all those Christians? How could I persecute those believers? What would I think about? I mean, I can't believe, you know, if he would have been preoccupied with that, he would never be able to embrace his future. The reason why some of us struggle, you know, with with even sin and some of the problems that we have is because we're always meditating on it. You know, the Bible says, you know, basically that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, if you sit around thinking about sin, you're thinking about all the bad stuff you did, or if you're thinking I'm just a bad person, duh, what's going to happen? That's the way you're going to live your life. You're going to be, and Paul said, this one thing I do I have not apprehended, I have not come to the place where I want to come in God, but one thing I have learned to do in my life, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach forward for what God has called me to do. And every one of us has a purpose. You have a destiny and you have a calling. And, and you know, and, and you got to get that in your spirit. You, don't, you do not exist just to sit and to watch and then wait till Jesus come back. None of us do. There's a calling. And if every believer get that revelation, and, and my heart's desire that every one of us get a revelation, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you're calling me to do? Paul says, I press on. I press on for the goal of the high calling that God had placed on his life. He recognized that there was a calling and, and I cannot get there until I'm willing to let go of the things that I did in the past that I'm not too happy about. You just got to let it go. You just got to let it go. I don't care what it might have been. It may have been a bad relationship. It may have been a situation that that uh, you was harsh with somebody or it could be a financial situation, decision that you made relational, whatever it might be, you got to come to a point that you got to just say, you know, I got to let it go. I regret what I did. I, I, I'm sorry about it. And, you know, it's all it's OK to go and tell people you got to make stuff right. Go and tell people you're sorry. But then right after that, you got to forget about it. So I, I got to go. I can't stay here. I can't do well in what if because, you know, what if, what if, what if ain't never done nothing for nobody? Because what if is already in the past? But here's what I got. I got my future. See, I can change what's out here. I can change right here. You know, God can work and move things. I can, I can make better decisions. The only thing you can do from your past is learn from it. You can learn from your past. You can become a better person and you can learn, which oftentimes God, you, you know, things happen in our life and we learn from them. But, but outside of that, you just need to let it go because you will never be what God wants you to be until you're willing to let go of your past and say, lay hold of my future and what God has for me. Paul says, I press on. I press on. And why did he have to press on? Because every devil in hell was telling him, was reminding him of his past. Well, God can't use you because look at what kind of person you are. Look what you did. You think God is going to really use you? I mean, what do you think? God can't use you. And so Paul gives the idea that he had to press, kind of like a, a weightlifter. You know, you're bench pressing, and when you're lifting weight, you know, you got weight that's pushing down on you, and you got to press. How many know that life is all about pressing? And sometimes you got to press, and it's so hard to move ahead. It's so hard to keep going when everything in you sometimes want to quit, and everything in you sometimes you want to give up. You think Paul wanted to quit and give up sometimes? Sometimes you think every now and then it just got a little bit hard for him? You ever thought about giving up every now and then? Just, just, just. You know, why am I doing this? Nobody seems to understand. Nobody seems to care. And and, but you got to press on to your destiny and your purpose because you're doing it because this is what God called me to do. This is what God has laid in my heart to do. And I'm going to be everything he wants me to be. And in order for me to do that, I'm going to press through no matter how hard it is. Anything that is worth anything in life, you know, you got to fight for it. You just got to fight for it. And everybody want the glory, but nobody want to go through the pain. Everybody want their accolades. Everybody want, you know, but they don't, you know, they don't know what a person had to go through. You know, I talked to some preachers who are much more successful. Than I am and I, if that, that is if you determine success to be large ministry, big and all that. And a and, and majority of them, and I sit and listen to some of the horror stories. I'm like, wow, I know a lot of people who think they want that calling, who think they really want to jump into that. They don't, they could not even have stomach half of what they had to go through. Couldn't handle it. They would have lost it a long time ago. They would have lost it. And, but but it's something about we look at stuff and we think, oh, boy, I, 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 I want that. I, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, you, you may can, but you've got to understand that there's going to be some sweat. That's going to call for some sacrifice. Paul was saying, i got to press through. If I'm going to get what God has for me, I'm going to lay behind my problems, I'm going to lay behind my bad decisions. I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to press on. I'm going to fight until I get what God has for me. How many know you got to fight for your children? you got to fight for your children. If you don't want your children to grow up and be the devil's kids, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to get that Bible. You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to get the anointing oil. Sometimes you're going to have to raise your voice. Sometimes you're going to have to go to bed. You're going to have to cry at night. You're going to have to cry at night because those kids will just drive you up the wall and you're just going to have to, I'm living it. I'm telling you, you're going to have to cry. You're going to have to believe. You're going to have to press and you're going to have to keep pressing because the devil is not going to sit idly by and watch you succeed in God. He's not going to sit by and watch you and, and just you think that your marriage is going to be really great. You think he's going to let your kids just walk and just whoopsie do right into the kingdom of God and just and just make a big impact and drag all these people to heaven. Do you think he's just going to sit by and say, hey, go for it. You can go. Yes, yes, Yes. No, no, no. He's going to put every obstacle, every roadblock that he can to keep you in bondage. And so what happens is we got to be wise enough to know, okay, where is the enemy at work in my life? And you got to begin to fortify yourself. you got to begin to set up some roadblocks so you'll block the enemy. But sometimes, because we're not really focused, the enemy is just playing with us. He's just pulling us back and forth. And we're trying to figure out, why does this keep happening to me? Why does this keep happening to me? You need to turn around. You need to see God and say, Lord, what's going on? Because the enemy, he's going to fight you. He, he if, if he sniffs or thing for one moment that you're about to turn up your life and live for God. Now, this should not scare you. But if he sniffs, if he thinks for one moment that you're about to get serious about this thing and you're about to take it to another level, here come the trouble comes. I not I, I. You know. I. I know a lot of people that that said over years. Oh man. I. i, I want to start tithing. And. And. And boy. And I'm going to believe God that He's just going to bless. And boy. As soon as they start tithing, boy. The bill collectors come and the devil starts whispering. And things just go bad. They start. They lose it. All kind of stuff happens. But it, it won't happen before you made a decision that you're going to obey God. Now that you made a decision, that you want to obey God. Here come all hell break loose now. And we're sitting there thinking. Go. what's wrong? Well, you're, you're, the enemy don't want you to succeed. He don't want you to come. He don't want you to hear messages like this. You know, just let Pastor Bailey just stand there and preach. Don't, 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 don't listen. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm not a perfect man. Uh, I have my faults like anybody else, but I will say this. I love God with all my heart. And I know that God speaks through me. And it's not because I'm some extra special person, because I'm not. I'm just a man that just have such a heart and a passion that I want, to, I want to achieve and be everything that he wants me to be. And I want to leave this earth and I want somebody to know that when I left, they say, boy, we sure do miss him. And not because I was in with the crowd, but because I served God and I served him. well. That's the legacy. That I want to leave behind and nothing, nothing in this life will stop me ever, ever, ever. I am so committed to this thing that I will, I will die in faith. I will die believing because I know that what God has promised me will come to pass. And sometimes, my friend, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight and not let the devil steal your peace, not let him steal your joy. You're going to have to press. You're going to have to not allow these things to jump on you or people in the past tell you about who you used to be. I mean, sometimes you try to witness to somebody, oh, they can't hear you because they remember how you was. They want to talk about what you was. That's the only problem with Facebook. (laughs) Facebook people still want to act like it's 20 years earlier. No, oh, brother, I ain't the same. You want to get together and have a class reunion? Sure. But this Gary used to knew back in 1984 when I, you know, dating myself. That's when I, was, I graduated from high school in 1984. But um, I mean, no, I ain't the same person no more. I'm totally different. You know, you don't want me to walk up in there because you're going to think I'm that quiet little shy, scared little boy. No, no. I'm I'm, I'm a man of faith right now. I'm, I'm sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. I might just lay hands up on you and you don't want me to hang around. Because I've been changed because I'm pressing, I'm pressing, like the Apostle Paul said. And finally, look at the De- Nehemiah chapter number eight in closing. Nehemiah chapter number eight. Now, you guys are like this passage of scripture. You all know the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number eight, I believe we're going to read verses uh Eight through 12. You know, the story of Nehemiah, who basically had went to the king and the children of Israel were held captive. And he had found out that Judah was all torn down the city. And he had went to the king and asked the king if he could go back and rebuild the walls that had been torn down because the children of Israel were in exile. And the king gave him leave and said, you can go back and you can build. The entire wall. And, and you, you read the story and, and you remember how that while Nehemiah and all that he mobilized all the people, the Israelites in the land of Judah, he mobilized them to work. And they all were able to build the wall together. And Samballot and Tobiah, you remember Samballot and Tobiah? I can't go over it because we don't have time. But Samballot and Tobiah represents the devil. <laughs> they represent the enemy and everything he tries to do, everything you're trying to build in your life. How do you know Satan want to tear it down? Everything that you want to try to build in 2011. Here's a here's a real here's this is a realistic uh, approach. Understand this, that it, when, you, when you decide in your life that you're going to build something greater for God, you're going to go deeper for God. Understand that there's always going to be a Sam, uh, a Sam and a Tobiah who's going to be there to tell you what you can't do. There's always going to be the naysayers that's going to whisper in your ears and tell you what you cannot do. They will they will. The enemy will try to stop you. He will put people in your life. He will put people in your path. He will throw distraction at you to get you off course. That's why it's so important to understand and who what it is that God has called you to do and who God has called you to do it with. Because the enemy and here in particular, Nehemiah, they had great success. They had rebuilt the wall and and now they come to a place after they rebuild the wall, they had success. Then Ezra, the priest, they all came together and now he's going to to instruct them in the law of the Lord because many of them had not read the Bible in a long time. They had not heard a priest. They had not read it. They had forgotten the scripture. And so now they find Ezra, the priest, after this v- great victory. Now, I want you, I want you to remember this because this is important. I want you to think, think with me for a second. That they... Had had this great victory, and it appeared like at this particular moment that having on the heels of this great victory that there should be a lot of joy, there should be a lot of happiness because God just brought about a victory. How I many you know whenever God brings about a victory in life, you know how to shout hallelujah, right? You know how to shout praise God. When you prayed and you believed God and God opened the door for you and God does things, you know how to say, Hallelujah, thank you, God, praise you. But but here in this particular passage, Ezra the priest opened up the book. He opens up the Word of God, and he starts to read it. And guess what happens? The people start to get a little bit depressed. They start to get a little bit bothered. Why are they getting bothered? What happened? I mean, you just had a victory. God just did some marvelous things in your life. Isn't it just like the enemy? You get a victory, and and you're celebrating, and you're happy, and all of a sudden something around the corner happens. Try to zap your joy. You know, the enemy is all about trying to steal your joy. He, the devil don't want you to just be, he wants you to be a Christian. He don't want you to be a Christian, period. Let's understand that. But you know, what? the best he can do now is he can make you a miserable Christian. That you can serve God, you can do all of it, but you're not happy about it. And how many know, if you' if you're going through the motion, you're not excited about serving God, you're not excited about about, about being a part of His family, being a part of his kingdom. Uh, you know it's really, really hard for you to really reach for anything. because when you lack in joy, and you're lacking happiness about something. You just you're not quite impassionate and enthusiastic about it. And the devil knows that. So what did he do? He comes along and he wants to steal your joy. He steals your joy by reminding you of your past. He keep bring he keep bringing distractions. He brings all these things in your life because he don't want you to keep moving. He wants you to be sad. He wants you to be depressed. He want and so and so you know even sometimes on Sunday morning I got to admit I come in on Sunday morning. It's like man I'm, I'm believe in God. I'm believe because I always come in believe in God. And sometimes you know things don't work out the way I want to work out or people that don't come and I think, oh, man, what would happen? And, you know, and, I, and I'm always confronted with the enemies that's trying to steal my joy. He's trying to do whatever he can to get me to a point, you know, because I'm living it. I don't mind telling you, I'm living it. That's okay. I'm used to this now. I've been walking this thing for 20 years. I'm not sidetracked, not one iota. older. I made a commitment to follow Christ come hell or high water. If it turns out the way I want it, if it don't, it don't matter. Paul said, look, I learned the secret. I know how to live with a lot. I know how to live with little. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it all. I can go through, I can go through pain. I can go through sorrow. I can endure harsh. I can do it all. Because it ain't about what everybody else is doing. It's just about me and God. That's where I look at it. But, but but here, when on the heels of a blessing, watch what happens. And, and look at verse number eight in, Deuteron- in Nehemiah chapter eight. So they read distinctively from the book. Ezra, they read the book, the word of God and the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And look at verse nine. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Watch this. Do not mourn nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Now, now, I want you to stop right there. All the people. Here it is. They should be happy, right? Now, they're reading a law of God, and they realize, boy, we have just been, just, we've been terrible. I mean, we have just been messing it up. And all of a sudden, all the joy they had suddenly begin to turn south. Now, the people who should have been rejoicing, now they're starting to cry. And see, and this is when, and this is when some good fiery preacher, he'll come along, and he'll just, just keep it going, put his feet on the gas. If you want to make you feel bad want to make you feel guilty you know I learned a long time ago that the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts people of sin I give up I, I don't try to make people feel guilty I don't try to make people feel bad I just preach the word and the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit he can only do and so these people are weeping and they are crying and Ezra just reading the word and why are they weeping and why are they crying they're weeping and they're crying because they realize that they have blown it and Ezra and Nehemiah, here's what they do. Watch what they say. Look at verse number 10. Then he said to them, No, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go your way and eat the fat, drink the sweet, drink the Kool Aid and the tea. That's what that means, okay? Translation. <laughs> That's what drink the sweet. I mean, what else do you think it means? Drink your Pepsi, uh, you know. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Gosh, do you hear that? He says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the reading of the word and when God convicts us, remember we said at the beginning of this message, we said that whenever God convicts us of anything, he doesn't convict us to, uh, uh, so that we can sorrow and fall into depression. And you know, he, he, just, he just convicts us so that we can get it right and get back on track. Because God knows that when you obey him, when you operate according to what I have set forth, you're going to be blessed. Your life is going to go well. Your, your relationships are going to be nice. You know, you're going to, your, your financial situation is going to be blessed. Your body is going to be healthy because you're following my word. And so when God comes to bring conviction in your life, it's not to drag you down into depression, but to lift you up. To lift you up. And so when a man of God stands and he preached repentance, you shouldn't be saying, oh, God, he ain't going to be and picking on me again. It ain't about that. It's about we want to get you to a place where you're well, where you're well. Because he says, because then when you're well, here's the key. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What will keep you going in the midst of all your trouble is that you maintain your joy. No matter what it is, I mean, you know, it could be raining and snowing outside, but you know what? I'm not going to let this problem, I'm not even going to let this person. And sometimes some people you just got to hang the phone up on. Sometimes, you know, you're talking, I got a phone call yesterday. I ain't going to tell you who it was. Ain't nobody in here. Let me qualify that. Y'all know I don't lie, so it won't nobody here. But, you know, some folks I just run from. I get a phone call, you know, and I'm like, God. you know, and, I, and first thing, you know, a lot of times the kids are handing I'm like, don't give me the phone. My daddy's busy. And, you know, one of them pick it up and they're going to bring, daddy, he got a phone. And, and, and of course, they hear me. I get, I'm talking. So I can't, like, I can't, like, take it now because they know daddy is there because my little one, Destiny, she run up and she's holding the phone right to my mouth. I'm like, and I'm just listening, and, and they just, just went into all these problems about this, about that, and how you could do this, and how you could do that. And before I know I'm sitting like, oh God, oh God. And and I listen, I just got to be studying this. <laughs> I just got through studying this, and I really, and As soon as I got through studying, I'm I'm walking in the house, I'm meditating because you know when I, when I prepare a message, a lot of times I walk and I think. I walk and I think. My kids say I walk, and sometimes I will be talking to myself. I be thinking about. I be meditating on what I'm saying, and 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 so I'm, I'm I'm I was right before that phone call. I'm sitting there walking, and I'm happy, and I, you know I'm, I'm like I'm pumped up, you know I just read the word, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and the phone comes. here comes the phone call. Isn't that just like the devil? here you are, you're prosperous, you're happy and here comes somebody with some, some news. <clears throat> Bad news. And they sitting there, di- and well you should have did this and I ain't trying to say nothing but, but you, know, you should have did this and, and nobody talked to me, nobody called me. And, no, 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 no. And I said, oh God. And then I remember it. the joy of my Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So you know what I did? <clears throat> I said, uh, listen, God bless you. I got to go. I'll talk to you later. Hung the phone up. No, I didn't hang up. I said bye because you always want to be kind to people, right? You know, you want to be nice to people. But some folks, you know, they're just trying to take your joy and make you miserable. Why would you sit there and entertain that? I'm like, now, if you want to talk to me and try to, you know, come to some agreement, that's fine. But don't be trying to make me feel guilty. I don't need that. I don't need I got enough. Look, I can do bad all by myself. I don't need nobody else's help. If you can't help me, don't talk to me. If you, want to have a, if you want to do something for me, lift me up, hallelujah. Encourage me. Tell me about how I'm going to get through this problem. But don't call me and give me the big list because I don't want nothing to steal my And I knew what the enemy was doing. He was just trying to take my joy. Here I am. I'm sitting there preacher, reading the word, and then I get tested right after the message. I'm sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. And bless the heart, my daughter didn't mean no harm. They come running, hand me the phone. <laughs> hand me the phone. Daddy, 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 like Lord. So listen, I just want to encourage you, as you move into 2012, understand that, that 2011, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead on it. But you know what? At least I'm in front. I ain't looking back. <laughs> so as we go forward... Maybe been some things that happened that probably happened that you're not to. Listen, just let that go and, and begin to think of, OK, God, I can't change that. But what are you going to do with my now? Embrace what God has for you today and, and ask God, if you're dealing with a difficult situation, say, Lord, this is hard for me. Can you please give me wisdom, discernment, understanding how do I deal with where I am today? Because today is all that you have any kind of control of. And he's a God. And, you know, one thing about it, God said, I'll give you a fresh start. You can start all over again with me. You can't start all over again with people sometimes, you know, because people, we just don't act right. You know, we like us, we don't act right, do we? we? We don't forgive like we should. And we hold grudges sometimes. We shouldn't. But the reality is we do at times and we just got to learn and grow up. But God want to give you a fresh start. Embrace your future. Look forward this year. Begin to make a declaration that this is going to be one of the, your most blessed year ever. And just make that declaration. Just say, this is going to be my year. I'm going to have a great year this year. I'm going to be blessed. You know, I'm going to come out of debt. Uh, my marriage is going to be better than what it was last year. Uh, my, my, uh, my kids are going to do better this year. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to get some more people saved. Hallelujah. You can't ever go wrong there. You know, uh, Everything for me is just going to turn around. And you know what? And just start acting that way. You'll notice that after a while that your situation, you keep confessing that, then things behind you start changing. But when you start walking around with a down attitude and you're all depressed, then guess what happens? You're bringing that atmosphere right where you're at. And how do we know we don't need none of that? Amen? Amen. Every head is bowed, every is closed.